Before we pray together, I have a little card of thanks that I would like to read, and I would like to share with you that uh, I was sitting here praying and thinking, preparing my heart and mind to come up here and, and speak this morning. God was laying on my heart how much ministry this little church reaches out and does. Um, this is from a couple of young men, brothers, who I did a funeral for their mother yesterday in Lapeer. And it says, Dear Church Family, James is, is Emily's uh, boyfriend, and he's here uh, often. Uh, and it says, On behalf of James Hickok and Adam Waugh, we would like to thank you for your thoughts and prayers during this difficult time. We would also like to thank Pastor Tony for the wonderful service he performed in memory of our mother, Julia. It brought great peace to us both to honor our mother's memory in such a loving service. As I sat and I prayed, I thought about how far the Spirit reaches out of this church. Um, and it's not me, it's God. This week I prayed with people in Kalamazoo, Florida, Arizona. Um, I was in Lapeer. I know I'm missing a couple, but I was just amazed as I sat how God uses us if we're willing. This morning, as we pray, I would like to read to share the scripture with you for the day and then pray. Oh, I, I know the other one I was thinking was um, in yesterday, uh, Tommy's sister, uh, Melanie, come from Grace Centers of Hope. She was here. Tommy's the first gentleman that talked to us at the club during his, uh, uh, as he taught our first harvest dinner up there. His sister is... Uh, she wouldn't care if I told you his sister is equally as messed up as he is, was, but she's been, she's been 90 days clean now. Um, and it just baffles me. She's in a big place with a big church and a big pastor. And, and uh, um, they choose call here and talk because of the spirit of God being in this place. We're going to be looking at Moses and Joshua in this day of this message, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, early in the front of the New Testament, chapter 31, the first eight verses. As I told you, we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, as long as God tarries me in this spot about being able to understand the Word, the power that's in the Word, the promises that are in the Word, uh, uh, knowing the Word and being able to pray that and stand on that and have that be our foundation. I chose, God gave me this passage, and this is just as Moses is stepping away from the lintel of leadership and inducting Joshua into his servant, into the place of leadership to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. No small feat by any stretch of the imagination. And it says in verse 1, it says, Then Moses went out and spoke those words, these words to all Israel. 
I am now 120 years old. I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you, and he will destroy these nations before you, and he, you will take possession of their land. Joshua will also cross over ahead of you, as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Shion and Og, the kings of the, Am the Amorites, whom who he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. And this is the part where we need to listen carefully. He says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor never forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua, and he said to him, In the presence of all of Israel, be strong and be courageous, for you must go with this people into this land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give to them. You must divide it among them as their inheritance, and you will. And the Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. Think about that. The Lord Himself will go before you and be with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, as we look into these words, as we pray for these congregational needs, many of which, a long list which we pray for on uh, Wednesday nights, Father, and, and I know you know all those, I don't mention all of those on Sunday, but know that if there's a person in here, Father, I pray that you uh, place in their heart and mind the uh, assuredness that those things are being prayed for many times throughout the week by not only myself, but my prayer teams and, and the people around them that, that do pray and, and lift these things up. Father, I pray this morning, especially for the family of Julia War, the two boys, James and Adam. Uh, Father, just very young men, 36, 30, to lose their mother at this age who has been the, the single parent of their life for their, most of their, almost all of their life from what I understand. And what a wonderful woman she was, Father, the, to hear those stories. Father, I just lift them up and pray for uh, their healing and the process as they grieve. Father, I thank this morning of uh, Dave Hoos, Steve's brother, Tom and Joel, who uh, were the folks who led me to the Lord. Their, their younger brother, uh, Father, his wife just passed away this morning uh, in the hospital. And Father, I just pray over him. Lord, he knows who you are. He knows you, I believe. Uh, Father, he grew up in a wonderful household, a pastor's household. And uh, Father, I, I just pray for his comfort, for guidance. Father, I, I pray this is something that turns his attention uh, more acutely back to you, Father. And I just pray for the family. I, I, I don't know his wife's family well, but Father, I lift them up and I, I pray for them as well. Father, I pray for these folks throughout the week that uh, uh, I've had the opportunity to pray for, for uh, uh, uh Susan Phillips, the lady of Kalamazoo, going through a bunch of surgeries. Father, for um, others, Donna's friend, Pat, and many of those that are uh, out today sick. Father, Donna's friend, healing from a, a horrific car accident. Father, I just pray for these things. Father, I, I believe in your healing. I stand upon the authority of your word when it says that you can heal and you can do these things. Father, I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Father, I believe that you do go before us and that you are behind us, and that you encompass us, and that you keep us safe, and you guard us, 
and you walk with us through this life, Father. Today I just pray over these words that I read out of your holy scriptures, Father, and I pray that they are touching people's hearts. And as that word goes forth this morning, Father, I pray that people wouldn't see me or hear me, but they would hear you, and that your word would go forth and not return void as your, as your word, your Bible, the pages of your Bible promises. Now, Father, I just pray that you would continue to be with us in the power and presence that we've experienced this morning. Continue to lead and guide us. Bless tonight's uh, 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 concert that we will have with Joanne. Father, I pray that you show up in an even more powerful way than you did at our last concert, Father. People encourage him, lay it upon their hearts. Just what Pastor Dave said, because they will miss a blessing if they don't get here tonight. Father, because your spirit will minister to them in a way that they've not been ministered to before, I believe. Father, I pray these things in Jesus, your son's name, holy and precious name this morning. I pray in that name, the name above all names, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. The children are dismissed to junior church. This morning, as I had said before, I wanted to uh, reiterate that we have been uh, praying, uh, praying through and on our Sunday or Wednesdays um, services. Uh, we have been uh, studying and hear or hearing messages that deal with the power of the Holy Spirit. That we have talked about uh, fasting a great deal in the, before the beginning of the year. And uh, a lot to do with prayer, a lot to do with fasting and prayer. Uh, and now we're moving into a, a place of the understanding. You know, as I talked about prayer and, and fasting and those things, in, and I told you that we would uh, begin, I've begun to fast more regularly since we, we talked about these things. I've been fasting for our Sunday night services, uh, fasting uh, as we teach, you know, we begin someplace with it. I, I usually will go all day without eating, um, which if, for me, that's a fast. Because uh, um, I like to eat. I get pretty hungry by 9 o'clock at night. So, or, well, it's not that funny. Come on. Yeah. But, and it just reminds me, because when the hunger comes, you know, it focuses my mind in prayer, especially for Sunday nights, because I, I believe that uh, having Pastor Dave here and working with us, it's a huge, it's an answer to prayer to have Pastor Dave here with me, and just other things around that. Uh, and I encourage you to take on uh, a, some time of fasting towards this Sunday night, because I believe this is a place where uh, people are going to understand who's here. That benchmark is different, and uh, the things that we do, that a, lot, a lot of what Pastor Dave and I have prayed about and talked about is the fact that people just don't know who we are. They see a new sign, and, but they don't know who we are, and we need to be outgoing in our community. We need to invite them. They need to experience the power of the Holy Spirit that, that is often in here. Um, not often, always in here. Uh, it, this morning, uh, it, as I talked, um, we, uh, God laid on my heart that one thing uh, that we're trying to accomplish, not only on, on Sunday nights, but uh, uh, as I preach and I speak, what God has laid on my heart is it's getting into the Word, digging into the Word, understanding what many of us don't live to the potential that God has for us, because we simply don't know His Word. 
We don't know the promises that He is waiting to fulfill in our life. We don't know the authority we have over hell, death, and the grave. Uh, we, we, we accept often what the devil brings into our life because we don't know what is afforded to us. And as we are victorious. We are more than conquerors, the Bible says. And we often do not live like that as Christians or as the church. This morning, uh, I want to kind of I want to go through my liturgical part of the service. I'm picking on Dave. He says, I've never, he told me the other week, he said, as you explain the scriptures, you sound a little liturgical. And then he said, it's like you preach two sermons. And he said, then you got wound up, and that's where I was at. And and I said, you know, I actually took it as a compliment. I've never had anybody call me liturgical before, if you can imagine. And uh, I thought, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, but uh, in this morning, I thought uh, when the piano went like that this morning, when John was playing, I thought, finally, we're getting a little Pentecostal in here. So (laughs) we liven this place up. Pretty soon I'll have him up there while I'm preaching, and he can do that deal. So, and I'll give you all hankies, and you can wave them at me. uh, But this morning, when we look at where we're at in Deuteronomy, uh, we understand Moses uh, he's not going to be allowed. He has sinned against God in his anger. Uh, he's going to be taken up to the mountain aside of the, uh, uh, to look down into the promised land, and he's going to see it, but he's not going to be able to actually go into it. Uh, but he's going to commission his servant, Joshua. And if you know who Joshua was, Joshua and Caleb were two out of the 12 spies that went into the promised land in the first place as they come out of the uh, a land of Egypt as God had delivered them out through the plagues and so forth. He took them to the edge of the promised land and they sent spies up into the promised land to uh, in the land of Canaan and to get a report to bring back to the children of Israel, to Moses and the children of Israel. Well, they go in and they see these giants that are in uh, Canaan. Um, they see these uh, fortified cities and Ten out of twelve of them come back. Now, God has said before this, He said, He doesn't say to them as they go in this way, go up there and see what we need to do to possess this land. See if you think we can get this done, or if we should just move around and go someplace else. God never said that. He said, You are going to possess this land. Just go up in here and take a look at it. And it was a confidence type of a situation, God was, and a faith situation that God was sending them into. Because how many of you know that if you can actually um, possess it yourself, and if it looks easy, like if they went into that promised land, this was just, they were all midgets, and not, I shouldn't probably say midgets, I don't know if that's politically correct, little people like Dorothy. um, uh, Now if you went in there and the whole civilization was Dorothy's size, you'd be like, hey, no problem, we got this. But they weren't all Dorothy's size, they were my size and up. They were extra large, extra, extra large. And they, they were actually, some of them, they were, uh, in that time, I believe those folks were the ones that were seven to nine feet tall at the time. So it was a pretty overwhelming task, and it was fortified. But God didn't say, see if we can do it. He says, we're going to do it. You just go in there and check it out. I'm just wanting you to get on the same page and some faith with me. And how many of you know that as we look at this passage of Scripture, it, it, it often... God reminds he's, Moses is speaking the words that God has given him. And he says to, to uh, um, Moses re- goes, uh, repeats this to his people. 
And he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. If you see the title of my message this morning, it is never leaving or never forsaking. As we begin to talk about the power of the Word and the power of God in our lives, um, knowing the Scriptures, being able to pray that back, being able to stand in these promises and, and, and this faith, I, as I prayed and, and, and meditated over this, I thought, you know, the first thing that we need to understand it, before we go very far in this is the absolute faithfulness of the God we serve. When he, that's a good place to say amen. Like, really mean it. Say amen. All right? John, I might need you on the piano. Where are you at? We might have to liven these guys up. Think about that. It would be a different situation if God only come through, you know, if, if he was like um, a baseball player and he had a batting average of, of you know, 3-3-3 three, three, three or whatever. Good, I don't do baseball. I do football. But I always thought, well, how, how can it be such a great hitter if they only hit a third of the time? But then I would thought... Well, you stand in front of a guy hurling a ball at you at 95 miles an hour. I'd probably just go hide. So instead, I couldn't hit when I played baseball. I could feel, but I didn't like having things thrown at me. I've never gotten used to that. So that's why I behave so my wife doesn't throw stuff at me. So, but, but, but think, it's not a game of chance. It's not a gamble. When God says, go forward, I'm going to do this for you. We should never be discouraged. We should never be afraid. We should be strong and courageous because we have the power of the living God living inside of us and surrounding us and sending us forth. You see, generally what we forget is the battle is already being won. If he says there's victory, there's victory. We have to just go in and possess that victory and claim that victory for us. We, we must understand. Now, there are situations. We are human beings, obviously. There are situations in our lives that look overwhelming, especially as we, as early in our walk with God. There are things that come up and, and, and arise, and, and you look at that, and you just think, man, there is no way I'm going to get out of this or get over this. This is the end of me right here. And, and the thing is, is it's never the end. It's only the beginning. It doesn't matter. God sends us in and allows us to, to, to go through some trials and, excuse me, some tribulations because that's what grows and deepens our faith and prepares us for the next step along the way. His word that is in here, it, Psalm 1 says this. He says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of, that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But verse 2, it says, But who delight in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. How would you like to live a life where when you are serving God, that you were planted next to a tree. Jesus, how many of we know one of the names for Jesus is the living water? And when we put our roots in Jesus, we will never go dry. We will never lack what we need to accomplish what God is sending us out to do. He is faithful to us and will always supply our needs, will always clear the path for us. 
It says, but it says, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is this book that we read. We often, in this, and I say this all the time, one of the, the greatest detriments to the church and to the Christian community, to the followers of God, is the fact that we do not know this word. It, uh, it amazes me at times how many people that ask me, and let me say this, and I always preface there's never a dumb question when it comes to God. Never. Always ask the question, and that's what I teach when I, I, I teach. But in the last couple months, maybe, I've had three or four people tell me that they don't believe that there's a literal hell in the Bible. Do you know that that is just a lie of the devil? He'd like you to think that there's nothing out there. He's not grandstanding or, 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 or got billboards up that say, you know, welcome to hell, that if you get, go past go and you don't get saved, you know, we'll welcome you down here. We've got great rates and all this and that. He, he doesn't do that because he'd like to think, as you think, that there's nothing there. But the truth of the matter is, there is a literal hell. The better truth of the matter is, we don't have to go there. We have the power to stay out of there. We have the authority and we have the victory. When Jesus went to the cross and he spent those days in the tomb, it says he, he descended into the lower regions of the earth. I believe fully that he went to hell and had it out with the devil. And it says when he emerged out of that, that tomb that he had been encapsulated in for three days, that he held the keys to Hades, to hell, death, and the grave which means he has authority over the devil, which means with him living in you, you have authority over the devil. You cannot give him a place in your life. You cannot allow him to, to, to come in there and listen to his lies that he is more powerful. The Word tells us, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yes, this world, the devil has some access to this world. He has some access to our lives. He has the ability to tempt us and, and try to drag us away from God. But you see, what you need to look at that as is opportunities to grow even stronger in God and opportunities to understand it and, and, and speak authoritatively to Him because you do not have to accept what He is selling. I'm coming. As we begin to explore these possibilities, listen to this uh, quote from a, a St. Francis uh, from the 1500s. He says, The same everlasting Father who cares for you today will take care of you tomorrow and every day. Listen, this is why I put this quote in here. Because we get, let me read it first. Either he will shield you from suffering. Talking about God. We're talking about the power of God. Or he will give you unfailing strength to bear it. Sometimes God allows us to go through some stuff. Stuff that's not fun. Stuff that, that it, it, it's, is it brought on? I get asked, you know, well, why does he allow these things? I, I believe this, this is how I explain it, the most simple explanation. Life goes on here on earth. I believe he allows life to go on. The Bible tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust. It says also, how would, how would we be able to express ourselves 
as sons and daughters of the Most High God if we never had to call on God in the midst of some of these situations. If we just had the cake ride through life, that wouldn't be like, that's what he did with Job. When the devil come about looking for Job, you know, he, 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 if you can imagine this conversation in heaven with, with Satan, I, I don't really know how he just stops by to talk to God or how that works out. But he says, you know, God asked, asked Satan, he says, where have you been? He said, I've been roaming to and fro, looking on this earth, searching basically for someone. And, and this is not word for word. This is Pastor Tony's version, the new, the new Tony version. So, the, um, but looking for somebody I can destroy, the, looking at somebody that will challenge you. And, and he, he says, uh, you know, basically he said, why would Job ever turn his back? You've blessed him. He's one of the richest men in the world. God, and, and this has always struck me, God says, you know, have you considered my servant Job? Now, that's a great place to be with God, that he has that much confidence in your faith in him. Kind of, if you think about it. Have you considered my servant Job? I, if I was Job, I would say, well, you know, I, I appreciate that, God, but have you considered my servant Dave? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want him to get left out here in any of this. So, but, and, and God says, you can, you can have at him, but you can't kill him. And how many of us know that Job went through massive loss? Massive loss. He lost everything. Ten children. All his, all his wealth was gone. All his land was gone. Then not only that, he was covered in boils and sores. His friends come against him and said, and they're trying to figure out, you know, they're sitting there. If you can imagine they're sitting around him for seven days looking at him with nobody speaking, trying to figure out what Job did to deserve all this. Job did nothing to deserve all this except to love the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, and mind. To stand for God in the midst of this turmoil. As we read through all of this and we get to the back part of that story, we realize the faithfulness of God. Even his wife at one point said, why don't you just curse God and die? Now it doesn't get, I can tell you in ministry, um, when you walk in, in life, not just for preachers, but when your spouse begins to tell you, you should just curse God and die. That's a bad spot to be in. Amen? And, and I will say this on behalf of the spouses of ministers, whether they be women or men. Uh, one of my friends in the ministry has said that uh, uh, your tenure at a church lasts as long as your spouse can take it. That's kind of true because it's kind of hard. We're called. Our spouses are not. They come with us. And it's a whole different ballgame, and I'm sure Linda has a lot to say about that. Bonnie could share with you some things about that. But so when you hear him, you know, his wife saying, uh, saying that, that, that's a lot. But God went ahead and restored tenfold to Job because God is faithful. God is always faithful. He will never leave you. He will never, ever forsake you. When you feel like he has, it's not him that is missing. It's you that have wandered off. And he's just waiting for you. I always like when people tell me that uh, they, they found God. I say, this, I, I, I say this all the time. God wasn't lost. 
um, you were lost. God found you where you accepted God and accepted his spirit into, into your life. I got to move along. Before we can stand in faith concerning the promises and precepts found within the holy word of the creator of the universe, we must first have this assurance that God will do what he says he will do. It says now, these are my notes. It says, when we waver or waffle in our assuredness of the Lord's faithfulness, we open up and we offer the devil an entryway into the situation at hand or even just into our life. A place and a position where he can begin to chip away at what we what trust we have placed in God. First Peter 5 says this, and this is a scripture we well know. It says, be alert and sober, of sober mind. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. It goes on and it says, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. It seems lonely at times when we suffer, when we're struggling, when trial and tribulation comes along and, and, and we're going through something. But no, I say this often, Ecclesiastes talks about it, there's nothing new under the sun. The temptations and the things that we go through are common to man. Others, and take heart in this, God, if you struggle in your faith and you struggle wondering if God's really going to bring me out or is this too big, I like what Pastor Dave, I picked up his phrase, that God is bigger. God is bigger than anything that comes into our life. No matter how big it seems, God is always bigger. And, and sometimes it does seem lonely. Sometimes you feel like you're on this deserted island. It's trying to serve God, trying to figure these things out. But it says... And, and the enemy begins to come in, and, and he does this to the best of us. To, with the, and he will begin to say, you know, maybe uh, this is, you don't belong here. Maybe this is, he, he begins to have you doubt what um, God has put in your heart, the trust, the things. This is the exercise I tell you to, to do in your life. Look back, especially upon the last thing that God brought you through. And have faith in that. Build your faith. Faith comes, uh, uh, faith grows and matures as we walk through life. Uh, it, things get more difficult sometimes as we grow a little older or we go through some, some different things that, you know, I, I know for some of us that are getting old, health issues begin to become uh, uh, stuff. People around us, we begin to lose people in our lives. We, we, we're praying, like, those come, those are new areas for us. But look back on those things Look back where God has already led you out of the mud and the mire, out of where you thought that this would be the end of you, and here you stand in this new trial. He will be faithful to you again. James says this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now that's a hard thing to grasp a hold of. I don't know very many. We don't pass out. There's never a sign-up sheet for trials and tribulations in this church. I don't think it'd get filled out. But life signs you up for those things. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. 
When God, this goes back to, He will never leave you nor forsake you. When you're in a spot and you're bewildered, you don't know which way to go. You don't know who you can turn to, who you can trust to talk to. You don't know what God maybe wants you to do or what He's trying to accomplish in your life. It says right here, and once again, as I say, always say, there's never a dumb question when it comes to God, to His Word, to asking. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. It seems like a strong word. It is a strong word. If you read the book of James, James, I kind of like him. He doesn't, there's not a lot of gray area. You don't have to read between the lines. He says what he's thinking. And he, he says it so in a way that we can understand. And, 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 and this, he, in, in a nutshell, what he's saying is place your faith in God. God has done it before. He will do it again. He is able. He's delivered throughout the annals of time since time began when time really never had a beginning. But God has brought people through things and He has worked in their lives and, and He has grown their faith and their maturity. It, it, think, when you think about some of these things that you're going through in your life, think about some, read the Old Testament once in a while. People, I've had guys that read in and read that, and they're like, oh, I didn't have any idea it was like that back then. Read the Old Testament. Once, see some of the things that God brought people through. And, and there's there some pretty rough things that they had to deal with. God's not baffled by anything the enemy brings against him or his children. Many of God's people suffer needlessly at the hand of the devil and his demonic angels simply because they're unaware of the supernatural power and might of the Holy Scriptures. And they're also, this is the thing, they're also, many times, we're also unaware of God's intentions towards us. God cannot even look upon sin or evil. His intentions towards us, what He wants, even though it seems often as we're in a place of, of, of struggle, of trial, of tribulation, His intentions towards us are to bless us out of that. He never has anything but the greatest of intentions for us. Listen, it's one of my favorite scriptures, Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. Think about that. God says he has plans for you. And he knows the thoughts he thinks for you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Many times we get caught up in what the devil is telling us is going to end our life or destroy our life as we know it. Our relationships may fall apart. Marriage may fall apart. And we look at it, and there's no way to put it back together. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for a future, 
for hope. We, we may have somebody in our lives that's addicted or, or struggling or, or even at the edge of death with cancer or heart disease or something like that. And we look in here and we think, well, these plans, you know, God, what if these plans end our time here on earth? Amen. That's what we live for in this life. Now, no, I'm not saying we all want to go out and stand in the expressway today and try to get to heaven a little faster. But what I'm saying is when we do get to heaven, if it seems early, we will be, that is the reward that we work towards. God knows the plans in the future. And, 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 and I, rarely, even when it seems like the situation might kill us, it's not probably going to kill us. God is probably going to strengthen us through it and teach us something. And, and you say, well, why do I need to know all this? God operates through us. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We may be the only Bible that some people ever see. This is why we can't be negligent in knowing this Word. If people are going to read us as their Bible or our lives as their Bible, and they're going to say, I need this Jesus guy in my life. I need what that person has. Shouldn't it be something that resembles the Word of God. Who wants to be, how many people are we going to lead to the Lord if we're always in defeat? Always walking victorious, lessly. I don't even know if that's a word. It is today. But uh, think about that. If we're always grumpy, if we're always ornery, if we always are defeated and, 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 and looking down, or, or if we're out, you know, gossiping or talking or anything of that nature, things that we think. When people see that, I don't want to be. You know how hard it is to be a football fan in this state? The Ohio people tell me, yes, they do. But just think about that. How disappointing is it to watch the Lions? 5-15 and 15 this year, whatever. Five, whatever, they don't win much. Michigan. Number four in the playoffs, get just crushed by Ohio State before we can get in. Then they get crushed by Florida. Think about it. Who wants to join that bandwagon? I won't even look. The, somebody wanted me to buy a onesie for my granddaughter with Michigan. I said, I'm not buying a onesie for her until they beat Ohio State. And she might be 40 before that happens, the rate they're going. But who wants to join that? The, the point I'm trying to make, who wants to join? And even you state fans. It, even though we don't like you. No. <laughs> hey, hey, you guys had a rough year. But who wants to join up for that? I want to join the winning team is the illustration I'm trying to make. When we're out there, shouldn't we look like we are conquerors? Maybe more than conquerors? Maybe victorious? We're called to be ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. Who wants to go to a country that is getting its butt whipped, that, has, that has no future to it? Ours has limitless future, limitless victories. When we walk in this uh, uh, place with God, it, people should see victory after victory after victory after victory. When we pray for somebody to, to, to get through to the other side, they should be victorious because we stand in the faithfulness of God. When, when things come against us, they should see us overcome because God is faithful and He will bring us through. He will never leave us or forsake us. And you know why? Because for a split second, he turned his head from Jesus while he hung on that cross. Jesus asked, oh my, why have, 
thou forsaken me. Because that's what it felt like as he died for our sins. Jesus took that feeling of forsakenness when his father had to look away from him because he took upon himself the sin of the entire world so that we would never have to experience that. If you accept that, you're accepting a lie from the devil this morning. I kind of went over this, but this is my note. Much of today's church appears to assume a posture of frailty and defeat simply due to the fact that we have not laid claim to the victory that God has for us. The world, the country is in the shape that it's in, not because of politicians, not because of, of progressives and Republicans and Democrats. That's not why we're where we're at. We're because we've taken this out of being the backbone of our country. It's because we walk away from this, we don't know what's in here. From top to bottom, few of us know what's in here. We stand and, and we look and we... For, how many of us know we wouldn't need welfare, we wouldn't need these programs because the church should take care of all of those things. That's why God has commissioned us to be who we are as, as Christians. If we, if we, and I've said this before, if we tithe like we're supposed to, not just this church, but the church as a whole, there, one estimate, I think it's more now, one estimate was if we give about 2 to 3% as a tithe overall for the church. If we actually tithe, we would have $60 billion more dollars within the coffers of the church to do ministry with. We would feed the hungry. We would clothe and house the poor. We would be able to do that. We wouldn't have to have these politicians using that for, for whatever vote they can get or, or as a control. The, the government is not our God. He cannot fix this stuff. Only Christ and the Spirit of God can fix these things. We appear, we, we wouldn't have babies dying because of abortion if we would have made a stand back when it was time to make a stand. We wouldn't have some of these uh, social issues that we deal with if we would have stood up and prayed. And, and I'm not talking about going down and protest and, and be a part of that. I'm talking about getting on your face and praying to God and asking Him to move in the hearts and minds of the men and the women. And I'm not, let me make it clear, I'm not condemning anybody for any of their actions. What has in your life. That's not, I tell people all the time, that's way above my pay grade to judge anybody. God does that. I know what's in His Word. I know, and I don't care what gender you choose to be or, or where you're at in life, what's going on. That makes no difference to me. I will love you because God said that's what I'm supposed to do. To love the Lord, the God, Lord my God, with all my heart, soul, and mind, and love my neighbor as myself. If the two, if we just did those two things and stood faithful in those two things and allowed God to be faithful to us, if we loved one another like we're supposed to, we wouldn't be where we are at today in this nation. We oftentimes, it makes us weak. We feel weak because here's another thing. Dave ate up a little of my time with his long thing offering this morning. So I, I just want to, I want to preface, I'm getting rolling here again, so you might, I really try hard to get out and then I let Dave speak and that's not good. So, but we got something to say for God. A lot of us, and this is a struggle for a lot of people, but it says, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. Many times we stay stuck 
where we are at because we don't receive God's forgiveness. We think, well, how can he forgive me of this? Or we come and we ask for the forgiveness of our sins, but we pick their sins and the guilt and the shame that the devil beats the daylights out of us with right back up at the altar and we carry it right back out the door. I've had people struggle for years. I can think of one person uh, from my other church who struggled for years because she, she, was, she, she was gang raped when she was young. And she took it upon herself. It was her fault because of the way she dressed, because of the way she acted. I said, it's never, ever your fault, any woman's fault. Or I don't think very many men get accosted like that. But it, 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 no means no. There's never, ever, ever a reason to think. But she struggled with that for 30 years. I talked to her one night. We were on a way back from my wife and I and, and, and them. We were back and we were talking. I think we'd gone down to see Third Day at Pine Knob or DTE, whatever it's called now. But the, coming back, and we talked about this. And she said, the problem is, I've never been able to forgive myself for allowing that to happen. She didn't allow that to happen. That was perpetrated against her. It, it wasn't her fault. But I, and, and here's the thing. I said, how can you believe that God can forgive sin? Almighty God can forgive your sin and forgive you, but you can't forgive you. Are you more powerful than God? Do you have a greater awareness or a greater job in this life to say, I can't forgive myself after God has forgiven you? God says, I forgive you and I cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. And I remember it no more. It's, we can't re not remember it. We know. And I'm glad, to be honest with you, that I remember what I came through and the sin that, that riddled my life and nearly killed me before I got saved because it makes me who I am today. And it makes me able to minister to who I am. But God forgave me. And, and I've been forgiven. And I've made my amends to the people that I need to. And I daily do that when I screw up. Tell somebody, I'm sorry. Or, or apologize because that's what keeps me where I'm at. And that's what I understand that God is faithful and just. And when he says, you're forgiven and you are my child, you are cleansed by the blood of the Son of the Lamb that, that was shed on that. How can we take away from that? And many people do this. We, is God not faithful enough to forgive your sin? That's what this whole thing is about. He sets you free so you can live in victory. If we lived like that outside, there would be people beating the door down to say, these people are set free. These people have liberty. These people walk in a place most can't. They trust their God. They believe He can do what He says He can do. They, they're free. they don't wallow in guilt and shame and condemnation. They live in the love that He has for them. He, they share the love with the other people because they trust in His faithfulness. It says, morning by morning, new mercies I see. In, I can't remember the rest of that. I had it in here and I lost it all. That's, if you had to deal with this, you'd have trouble too. But... And this is partly, and I'm just about done. The music or the worship team can come forward. I'm really not done, but I'm buying time. So, yeah, so walk slowly. Um, many well intentioned, this is another, many well intentioned believers aim with this is why people walk away from God, away from the Lord, and deeper into the calamity, which is their world. The flesh and the devil have, that, that the calamity that the flesh and the devil has brought into their lives, and they lose sight. You cannot lose your salvation because of making a mistake. 
or because you, you, you stumble and you fall, or, or because the devil's telling you you're not going to. Is it once saved, always saved? That's not what I'm saying. I believe kind of once saved, always saved. The only way that you can lose your salvation is to tell God, I don't want it anymore, and walk away from it. And if you truly get the hand of God upon you and the Spirit of God in you, you will not do that. You might go through a dark and dry area and period. Sometimes I've been there and I've done that. I've come back with a t-shirt. But God is faithful. God will not leave you when you are in that dry and dark and dreary, dreary place. He will be there. His voice sometimes, it's a still small voice, he says. Think about Elijah right after the victory on Mount Carmel. And he's, he, he's just beat these 450 prophets of Baal. And he, now he's sitting out at the creek. He's come through a great victory. Now he's depressed and just wants to die. He's in a dry season. Many times when we go through a victory, on the other side of that victory, we find a dry spot. It's common. But God is in there. God is in that dry spot. He whispered to Elijah. Elijah was looking for fire. It wasn't fire. Wind. It wasn't wind. It wasn't hurricane. It wasn't storm. It wasn't, and it says then a still small voice. Amen. Spoke to him. God is always a gentleman. He will always tell you. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 10 says, No temptation. This is good news right here. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure that. Is that not good news or what? The faithfulness of God? He, let me read that again because I, I didn't hear much out of you. It, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. You, other people have gone through it before. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not give you more than what you can bear because He is faithful. And when you are tempted, He will provide a way out. So instead of looking for a way to get deeper into sin and, and, or deeper into depression or deeper away from God, begin to look for the way out. Because that depth will go for a long ways. But you don't have to look too far to find the faithfulness of God because He's standing there waiting for you to turn to Him. Think about Jesus. I won't read the whole Scripture when we talk about standing on the Word, when he was tempted, and think about this, high point, low point. He gets baptized by John the Baptist. Comes up, the heavens open up, a dove lands on him. A voice from heaven speaks, says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That sounds wonderful. I would love that. Think about the baptism. What's the next thing? In the next words we see, then he was led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. High point, low point, real low point. What did Jesus stand upon when he was in there? The devil says, if you're hungry, turn these stones into bread. Uh, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Throw yourself off this cliff. See if God will protect you. Don't test God, he says. Word says, don't put God to the test. It is written. Bow down and worship me. This is where a lot of us get in trouble in this nation. 
and I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Because we do bow down to the prophet and the big house, the trophy husband or wife. That becomes more important than God in our lives. Jesus said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Let me tell you, I've worshiped the Lord and I chased it in business. I used to run my own deal and it was miserable. Everybody thinks you're making a ton of money and all you're doing is chasing your tail and paying bills and working too much. Make less now, tithe regularly, and live a lot nicer than I ever have with a lot more peace. Close with this. And think about this. This is what I want you to think about. Many miracles that the Father would delight in bringing to pass in our lives go unmanifested. This is my notes. Because many people neglect to diligently stand upon His Word. They lack the awareness of the provisions made ready for them within the pages of the Bible. God is limitless. God can work miracle after miracle after miracle. But think about this. God cannot answer, God can do anything. One thing He cannot do is answer a prayer that has not been prayed. Think about that. Many miracles go unmanifested because we don't know that he has the power to do that. How many people die or suffer needlessly because we, we're not sure if he can heal them or not? How many lives go un, people live in just turmoil because they're not sure if God can deliver them out of that? I believe this word tells me that Jesus said faith as small as a mustard seed would move would move a mountain. It was the smallest seed in the garden that would grow to a plant which um, birds could land in the nest in. And if we had just that much faith, we could move a mountain. People say, well, that's metaphorical. That's not. It might be metaphorical. I believe it is. But I also believe that God says we can move a mountain. A- actual literal mountain, if it's in here, I believe it. I believe that Jonah rode for three days in the belly of a whale because it's in here. I don't believe it's all metaphor. I believe the guy, the person, the God of the heaven and earth who made the mountain says in faith that he can move the mountain. I believe that. Amen? Amen. We go, we, we, we're going to get up to heaven and they're going to give us a look down. And I don't know if we'll get a replay or not. Maybe think Peter at the gate will say, man... What are you doing? You only use like a quarter, not even that, just a tenth of what God had in store for you. You could have did so much more. You could have seen so much more. There could have been miracle after miracle. And now they're just going to sit here on the shelf. Yes, it's wonderful to be to heaven, but think how many. There's nothing for me. I don't know about you, but there's nothing better for me than to see someone get saved. To see somebody grow and walk. To have new people walk into church searching for God. To see what you'll see tonight when the power... If you miss tonight, I'm coming personally to your house for dinner next Sunday. If you can make it tonight, you will be enveloped in the power of the Holy Spirit. I have no doubt. The Spirit has been here all morning. He has been here all day. He was here last night when I was in here. Don't miss out on what God is doing. Last verse, Isaiah 55 says these words, and it goes with these miracle things that I'm talking about. Don't leave your miracles on the shelf. 
Isaiah says, so shall my word be that it goes forth from my mouth. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. So shall my word be that it goes forth from my mouth, and it shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sin it. God's word will not go forth and return void. If God speaks it, we can stand upon it. And when we say that, we can take his word and pray his word and speak it out, and it will go forth, and it will accomplish what God intends for it to accomplish. How many of you have a loved one that's not saved? How many of you know that God sent his only begotten son so that none should perish but all? Let me repeat that. None, nobody, not one should perish, but all should have everlasting life. Not one should perish. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care how screwed up they are. I don't care how away from God they are today. That word is a promise to me that says none should perish. It's not God's design or his desire to let anybody, and we have to, you can't say, well, they're never going to get saved. They're never going to change. I had people that said that about me. I've changed a little bit. The, uh, and I continue to change. But you have to stand on that. The devil's the one that says they'll never change. They'll never get over whatever ailment or addiction or, or depression or whatever they have. They, they, that's what the devil wants you to believe. God says none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. Let's all stand this morning. Father, this morning as we think about these words and we enter into a time of prayer, Father, I pray that there be nobody in this church, this sanctuary this morning, that would go out of here with a bit, not even an ounce, not even the mustard seed size bit of doubt in your faithfulness this morning. Father, if there's one in here that, that doesn't know that faithfulness, if there's one that is in here this morning who's, who's in a dark and a dry time and they're looking for you but they can't see you, Father, I pray that you would reach down and touch them this morning. That you would let them know by the power of your presence and your Holy Spirit in this place this morning that you still love them just as much as you love them the day they walked into this church or a church or into salvation that there's nothing you could have done that they could have done to turn you away from them because your love is, is boundless. It's endless. Your faithfulness is forever and forever and forever. Father, if there's somebody here this morning that does not know you yet, who has not made this commitment, I pray they would not leave this building this morning without making a commitment to you. And as I say that, this, as I said this yesterday in that funeral, I won't embarrass you. But don't leave this place without giving your life to Christ. Or maybe you're, you're backslidden if that's the word you want to use. Or, or you've wandered away from God and you say, Pastor, I don't know how to get back. I, I want this indwelling. I want this energy. I want this victory that you're talking about. Don't leave this place because God is in here and he is moving this morning. And it's not the words. I don't say magic words. I don't have a hotline to God. I know who God is. And it, it, what it is is the heart condition. And if you can say these words sincerely in your heart to God, He will come to you and flood you like you've never seen before. You just pray these words with me if you need to pray them. And if you're in here this morning and you've got somebody 
that needs to pray these words and they're not here, you stand in their behalf and you pray them and you believe in the fact that these words are going out and they're touching and drawing that person closer to God. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know I've fallen short of your glory. And I ask that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and forgive my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross so I would not have to suffer a penalty for my sin. I repent from my sin. When we say the word repent, we mean to change, to turn around, to walk a different way. I repent from my sin and I want to walk with you from this day forward. Come into my heart. Change my life. If I've been gone a while or I'm in a dry season, God, I call out to you today. And I pray, I desperately pray and seek your presence in my life this morning. Father, come to me. Put your word into my heart. Give me a victory, Father, that this preacher says is in this word. This morning, Father, if there's one that has prayed that or two or ten, I pray that they would tell somebody that if they need to pray, they could come forward and pray this morning at this altar as we sing this song. Pastor Dave, myself, my prayer team, will pray with them. We won't, we don't, you tell us what you want to tell us. We just want to love you and pray with you and, and place our hands on you and, and invoke the love of God into your life this morning. Father, and if there are those that need to leave, I understand. I pray that, Father, you would bless them. Father, that your face, your countenance, your Shekinah glory would carry them out into this world today, wherever they are at, and there would be a holy glow about them. And people look at them and say, there's something there. I, I am not sure what it is, but that person has something. And I need to know what it is. We know what it is. It's your power living in us. It's your faithfulness being with us. It's a trust we can have. Father, bless those, I pray. Lord, have your hand upon us as we sing this song. I pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Lord, we come before you right now this morning, surrendering everything that we have within us, all the good, all the bad, all the, the joy, all the pain. Lord, we know that you're the only one who can bring healing. You're the only one who can bring salvation. Lord, as we sing and as we kneel and as we pray, I pray that you would bring a spirit of healing and a spirit of saving over this church, unlike anything we've ever experienced. Lord, I pray that even as we go from here this morning, that this feeling, this peace that we feel in your presence would not leave us. Lord, we thank you so much for everything you are, everything you do for us, all the love, all the peace. As we go from here this morning, Lord, we go in your spirit and in your blessing. you need to leave you can be dismissed but go quietly for the people who are still up here praying
And if you need to pray, come to the altar. We have people who will pray for you, people who will pray with you. If you just need to pour your heart out to God, if you don't even have the words, he knows, he understands, and he'll listen.